Welcome back to Two Spot Monkeys Live, everybody. This is Jim, and as always, I am joined by Tom. Tom, how you doing? Very well, thank you. Great to see you. Great to be here with you. Great to hear you, for those of us just listening. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, before we get going, I did want to just plug, uh, we have a couple of friends of ours who do a podcast called the Take 3 Wrestling Podcast, um, and I was on their latest episode, which I'm not quite sure when it's going to drop, probably about the same time ours does here. Um, but if you want to check that out, I'm right at the beginning of the episode. I play WrestleMania Jeopardy uh, with our friends Mike and Joe and uh, Ernest, who is their their producer, uh, who I guess is my new friend now that I just met the other last night. So um, I know they go on to preview WrestleMania um, because they've got some schedule conflicts coming up. So uh, later in the show, but I didn't stick around for that because in a week or so, you'll be hearing our preview of WrestleMania uh, from when you're hearing this now. So, um, but check it out. Take three wrestling podcast uh, as friends of ours. So maybe we can uh, work it out to have them here on the two spot monkeys live sometime too, which would be really fun. Uh, So cheap plug there. And uh, Tom, you were unable to join us, but uh, don't worry. I represented us well in, in uh, WrestleMania Jeopardy. Thank you. Thank you. I had no doubt. So uh, before uh, we move forward into what we want to talk about today, today is going to be kind of part one of two, I guess, in some ways. Um, in the tonight, Today you're going to hear our recap, a little bit of Ring of Honor, 19th anniversary show, and then the bulk of today's episode will be the head-to-head picks for NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver, uh, both night one and two. And then uh, next weekend, next Friday, you will get our WrestleMania preview as well. So um, this is kind of, you know, the, you know, you think about the Christmas song, it's the most wonderful time of the year for wrestling fans. This is usually it. Um, Not quite as many random other shows going on, although there are GCW has the collective going on uh, next weekend and independent wrestling.tv has their bunch of shows as well. Uh, Probably won't see any of those (laughs) with my schedule being rough enough just to catch NXT and WWE, but, um, and Tom, you're adding a Disney trip in the middle of all of that too. So. Yeah. It's a story of my life. I'll be in Florida. Right. But I will be completely in a different world. The happiest place on earth, which again, and I wouldn't trade it. So. I mean, I'm pretty sure Mickey will have WrestleMania on somewhere, right? (laughs) Well, maybe if WWE would have sold their network to ESPN plus, you would have been able to catch it, but not, not, not on Peacock. The way we have our trip structured is we are going every other day over the course of our stay in the park. Uh, Saturday is not a park day. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to convince the folks I'm traveling with, my family and other friends, to have a WrestleMania night one watch party. But you never Stranger know. Stranger things have happened. Yeah. Stranger, I mean, this no, maybe Stranger Things haven't happened. This would be pretty high on the list. <laughs> Stranger Things, the TV show, have happened. That's what <laughs> right. you mean. <laughs> right. But, uh, well, let's talk head-to-head. It it went okay after Ring of Honor. Uh, Not, you know, not great for me, but not terrible either. Uh, Tom, you went 7-3 and uh, for the 19th anniversary show, and I went 6-4, and uh, which leads us to Tom reclaiming his two-match lead now uh, at 39-10 and 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 37-12 for me. And we have something in the neighborhood of 20 some matches over the next two weeks here to pick more than 20 matches. Um, so lots can change real soon here. Uh, although I think we're going to be the same on, on many as we often are. Um, 
I do think there will also be some differences along those 20-some matches, or I'd be shocked if there weren't. Uh, but, uh, Tom, you didn't get a chance to see the 19th anniversary show, I don't believe. So uh, we'll kind of do the recap the way we did the reverse, I guess, of the way we did for Fastlane, where you saw it and I didn't. Um, I thought the Ring of Honor 19th anniversary show was a really good show, um, really top to bottom. There wasn't anything that was awful. Um, I had a slight critique that you could, it was very obvious it was taped. The cuts in and out of the matches and in and out of the commentators were really choppy and really i don't know it didn't feel live and i thought that was a little disappointing but maybe it was just a matter of they needed to get it down to you know three hours and however many minutes and you know that sort of thing they wanted to to keep it synced but it just didn't feel like it flowed like it would if it was a live show small critique um but uh all in all i thought it was a really good show um just kind of running down results really quick, except I have the wrong page up here. Uh, Brian Johnson, I know, won the, uh, I know, I watched the show, of course I know. Brian Johnson won the, the four-corner uh, match on the on the hour one show, which was pretty good. Uh, then the six-man title match was a little weird, to be perfectly honest, Tom. Uh, they were trying to tell two stories at the same time. They were trying to tell a story of problems within Mexablood. Um, or Mexa Squad, excuse me. Well, well within Mexa Blood, too, which is Bandito and Flamita. Um, but Flamita was not on the same page. And then they were also telling a page, a story of Shane Taylor was just kind of a step off, which was a weird story because it felt like it never led anywhere. Um, so it almost felt a little bit like maybe they were doing a little too much um, in that match, especially on a pre-show uh, match, which is what hour one is. I know they call it hour one of the pay-per-view, but it's the kickoff show. Um, it's the show designed to get you to watch. Um, now, the one smart thing I think they did on that hour one show that I, part of why I wanted to mention it is because they were having problems with the Mexa squad, that then led to Ray Horace saying, we need to have a three-way on the pay-per-view. Personally, if I had if I had been watching hour one and had not decided if I was going to pay my $10 for Honor Club, I would have paid $10 to watch Bandito, Flamita, and Ray Horace in a three-way match. Like, that would have made me go, yep, not a problem. If I've got the time, I'm doing this. Um, no surprise, though. STP keeps the titles. Um, Sons of Savagery look good, though, Tom. Um, I know you and I are both high on those teams, or that team, I should say, um, and Shane Taylor promotions in general, so... Thoughts on on what you saw at hour one or what you heard yeah, I, I so I didn't watch anything. I didn't. I even though I knew I could have tuned in uh, last Friday um, was a busy uh, afternoon evening um, here in the Bobo household. So uh, no, just just followed along online and yeah, I was interested in the uh, implosion of of Mexa Squad and uh, you know despite what I said you know three or four episodes back. Uh, they went with a three-way. I don't want three ways. I want them to be held in, in higher regard so that way, you know, at the 20th anniversary, we can have a big one. I'm sure that's not going to happen and or this one doesn't spoil that in a, in a way. The, it'll be interesting to see if they follow up that Shane Taylor story of him being off on, on the TV as we move forward. Uh, that That's interesting uh, because I believe from what I've seen with his social media engagement and kind of the character development building, what have you, he's still pining for a world title shot. 
the, the rankings came out this week and he's not in the top five, but he called out the fact that there are two guys that arguably shouldn't be rated higher than he is. And so there is there, that fire still burns. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. I agree. I hope they follow up on it because otherwise I'm not sure why they told the story. You know, there's no follow up on the pay-per-view, but then again, there was no further Shane Taylor promotions, uh, stories on the pay-per-view so i understand that as well uh we get into the uh pay-per-view as a whole and tracy williams won the, the tv title uh in you know it, it was a quick match um fairly quick match so mm-hmm. that worked and it kind of started a, a i don't want to say a show long story of you know all of this trouble that's been going on in lfi uh but tracy williams getting you some title win points in the fantasy wrestling league tom uh, having a big week, big night for you, uh, as we'll talk about in just a little bit. But Tracy Williams wins. Flip Gordon pretty much dominated Mark Briscoe, and the less said about that, the better. Um, I mean, they're clearly positioning Flip to be a player, and this did that. So, yay. Um, <laughs> uh, Dalton Castle, uh, when Silas Young turned on Josh Woods, Dalton Castle over Josh Woods, uh, Briscoe over EC3 in what was a really long match, but really good. Uh, and I'll come back to some of these things. Just well, well, yeah, no, I, I wanted to jump in there because I know we talked a lot about like that match in particular with our picks, and we both thought EC3 was going to win and how it may, might have been important for him. I, I listened back to last week's episode, and I know what happened in the pay per view. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, surprise me that Briscoe won. But can you just speak to the story that they try to tell in that match, and like where things, where you feel things land with EC3 moving forward? You know, it, it was kind of the other direction I thought they might go, which is, you know, EC3 showing that he can go in the ring and earning. Uh, they really played up on the hour one. They did a promo um, package, and maybe it had been on TV. Briscoe saying that EC3 had to earn the right for Briscoe to shake his hand. Because I had forgotten that in previous settings, EC3 had put his hand out to shake Briscoe's hand, and Briscoe refused to shake his hand. Um, and I'd forgotten that plot point, which maybe, I don't know if it would have skewed my pick last week or not. Um, so in the end, it was that the Briscoe, even in defeat, EC3 had won Briscoe's respect. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see where these bo- guys both go from here. I don't think this story um, has any real legs moving forward, um, at least at least as far as adversaries. Maybe, maybe EC3 and the Briscoes go for the six-man titles. I could see something like that. Um, there wasn't any real, you know, nod to where they were going in this. Um, so I, I think it actually played out pretty well. And, and EC3 showed that, you know, he's still very, very good, good in the ring. Excuse me. Um, you know, Jay Briscoe is what Jay Briscoe is in the ring. And that usually is somebody who delivers. Um, so it, it was probably a little longer than it needed to be. Um, you know, far be it from us to say that after we've gone two hours the last two weeks, but, um, our friend Annette asked if this if that was the Snyder cut last week. We're going to try to keep it a little more succinct this week. But uh, we got a lot of matches to pick, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but, no, I thought the story played out pretty well, actually. Um, and like you said, I wasn't surprised Briscoe won, but I think both of them came out looking better in the end, uh, which, which is what you want to do in a match like that. So, you know, I don't think it hurt EC3 as much as I think a loss, as much as I think last week I might have thought a loss would. Uh, I think he came out looking pretty good. Um, great question, though, about that, Tom. Um, 
Bandito won the three-way, which hashtag free Bandito. That's my new thing. I'm going to stay with it. So I was very, very happy to see that. Um, that thing was, that match was just, if you ever do, you know, a re-up with Ring of Honor and Honor Club at some point, they start doing live shows again or something like that, Tom. Uh, I, you wouldn't be wrong to watch all of this show. I don't think you'd be disappointed in that. But if you just have got about 15 minutes or so that you want to sit down and watch something really fun, Bandito, Flamita, and Ray Horace will give that to you. It was what you would expect from those three gentlemen. Uh, lots of arm bars and uh, leg holds. No, no, not really any of that. Um, so, you know, if you if you enjoy that style of match, and I do, um, you'll love that. Matt Taven and Vincent, that was interesting. Um, it wasn't cinematic in that there wasn't, uh, you know, a lot of hocus pocus kinds of things going on. It was it was just a fight in an empty arena kind of thing in an old in a, in a, a space that I was like you and I have been to a hundred Ring of Honor and Evolve and other shows in places like this. Um, this is you know, Indie Hall one hundred and one. It's the Police Hall or something like that. Um, I was like we have sat in places just like this, even though we haven't. I haven't sat in that specific one. I don't think you have. Um, the the big story of it coming out of the end is Bill Carr from Team Tremendous. Um, which I had to look up who it was because it was one of those I knew I'd seen him before, but I just couldn't place him because he looked um, was dressed very differently than when he was in Team Tremendous and would wear a suit, a shirt and tie when he was a cop with Dan Barry. Uh, Bill Carr, though, knocks them both off. To be perfectly honest, it didn't look great the way that he knocked them off, and I thought, boy, I would have redone that spot. But I guess, do you really want to do redo a spot where you're dropping two people off a balcony through a table too. Um, so, okay, fair enough. Um, it just looked a little wonky the way he knocked them off, but went down. I thought it was the, the story I think will be interesting to watch move forward because he, he took Taven's face and made sure that Taven looked him in the eye and then just touched Taven's shoulder as he then walked away. He didn't, didn't attack him further or anything, did the same thing to Vincent, but then picked Vincent up and walked him out of the, the building. Um, and that's, where the segment ended. Uh, a, a continuity point that bothered me on week by week this week, they had Taven and uh, Bennett walking down the stairs of a, of a arena talking about, it was supposed to be after Bennett and Bruiser's match at the TV show this past weekend, um, talking about how they need to get focused and, and win the tag titles. I wouldn't have aired that the same weekend that you aired a tape of a match that you say you don't know what happened on and you, you know, you left Taven laying in this arena and now on the TV show that same weekend, he's walking down the stairs with his buddy, like nothing happened. Um, continuity, you know, it's, it's, it bothered me a little bit. It just did. Um, granted they did not on, uh, on TV. They didn't show and talk about the pay-per-view, but on week by week, they talked about the pay-per-view and then they also showed this promo, like, don't do both save it for a week you know i mean it's nothing wrong with saving it for a week or two or just have it come back around some other time i don't know there's other ways to do that um so continuity piece but it, it was a good fight um it was a good brawl you know what you would expect from those two um it's it's not the end of the story clearly so we we kind of thought maybe it might be or i did um and neither of us could get it right because they decided to do a no contest in a unsanctioned match, which also was a little strange. I didn't, I don't love no contest and unsanctioned matches. Um, but at least 
there was a reason there was this big hulking guy that caused it. Um, and now the question is who is he and, and what is, what is his affiliation with Vincent? Why did he look at Matt Taven the way he did? There's a lot of story they can tell coming out of this. Um, apparently his name is going to be Dutch. He's changed his social media um, to Dutch. Uh, so that was the name I believe he used when he was under WWE developmental. Oh, okay. Year, years ago, like, like, like half a decade or more. Yeah. I forgot car was there. Everybody seems like they've been through developmental at one point or another now, but um, okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, good, interesting little callback to that. Um, be interesting to see where he goes. He's a big guy. Um, I haven't seen a ton of his work in tra- Team Tremendous, but I'm familiar with him and have seen a few matches. And I, I don't remember thinking, oh, God, this guy's terrible. Um, and I don't remember thinking, you know, he's the second coming of, I don't know, Daniel Bryan or anything either. Um, but he's a big guy who looks like he can wreck some stuff. So that works in the Vincent, the Vincent world. Sorry, I missed my spot, misplaced my spot there. Oh, the pure title match uh, was next. Dak Draper's coming out party. Uh, Draper looked really good in this match. Um, Gresham gave him a lot. There was a there was a point where I felt like Draper stopped selling his leg, and there was the definite um, story was Gresham was working over the leg, which makes total sense when you have Jonathan Gresham the size he is, and Dak Draper, who's about a foot taller than Gresham. Um, you know, he's a big guy. Um, so working the leg, I thought made a ton of sense because of course you want to chop that big man down. Um, and there was a point where I felt like Draper kind of stopped, but then he picked it back up. And so, Hey, he's young. He forgets whatever. Um, but man, you and I both talked about that. Uh, last week we thought Dak Draper maybe wasn't ready for this spot yet. They had not done a They had not done a good enough job of building him to this spot. I will stand by that feeling. And I think you would as well. Um, but in the ring, Dak Draper proved he was ready for the spot. Um, he, yeah, I was impressed by Draper. Uh, the tag title match then, uh, you know, was what it was. Tracy and Rhett win the titles. Um, and then there's the fallout at the end. In 2021, in all of the political landscape that we we're in, and I want to be careful about, you know, again, you and I don't like to go too political on this. I don't know that Bestia Del Ring spearing Amy Rose was what I needed to get out of Amy out of there. Um, I think there's a, there are other ways they could have done it. In fact, she had done it before where she flipped him off and started to walk off and then they talked her back into it. And then, I don't know, it didn't make Amy Rose look like a powerful woman. Um, it kind of make made her look like she was gullible. And I don't, I don't know. That little piece, like, I'm fine with Amy Rose being out of LFI. I always felt like she was a little bit of a round or square peg in a round hole uh, with LFI, even though she does have uh, Latina uh, heritage and and certainly uh, fits in that way. I, it just never quite clicked for me, for her in there. So it'll be interesting to see, does she put together another new crew? I mean, this is like, between AEW and Ring of Honor, we're just, we're just having faction warfare going on right now. Um, I'm waiting for the Vulture Squad to show up, Tom. But uh, get me get me ruckus back here sometime in Jigsaw. Um, but uh, it it was fine. But there there's my other one critique, um, Tom. If you can find yourself a YouTube clip of the very end of this match, Red Titus has the full Nelson on Bestia Del Ring. Which, first of all, I'm not sure Red Titus and the full Nelson 
when you have a guy like Bobby Lashley in the wrestling world using the full Nelson, um, Red Titus does not have anywhere near that physique. Uh, he, Red Titus is very good in the ring. I like Red Titus. So, you know, if our friend Jeff is listening to this, call the dogs off. I like Red Titus, okay? Um, I don't know that full Nelson is the right finish for him. And on a guy the size of Bestia Del Ring, even more so. Now, you can play the, well, his technique is so good that even as a smaller guy, the full Nelson works. But the problem was he was just holding him by the shoulders like this. Like he couldn't get his hands together because, I don't know, Bestia wasn't getting his arms up enough or what. Um, and, and then Bestia verbally taps out while he's being held up. I don't, it was, it was a terrible finish to be perfectly honest, Tom. Um, but Tom, what are your thoughts on, um, on LFI, obviously losing Amy Rose, but also losing both the tag title and the, uh, TV title, Dragon Lee losing both those titles without being there as well. Yeah. And it's, I mean, of course, you know, Williams winning, you know, the, the champion doesn't take the, the pinfall loss. It was by proxy through Kenny King. Bestia Del Ring tapping out verbally was not one of the recognized champions. So you, you have you have you have things that you can say there. You can write the story to say we've never lost the titles. We never we never fairly the champions never fairly lost the titles. Uh, so that's that's a thing that's always important to me. I think, you know, and I, and I think I think from the sports centric side of the way I tend to apply a lens to professional wrestling. Now, granted, I know that I'm not, um, sometimes I'm on an Island with that. Sometimes I'm not, uh, but, but that's, that's, that's a, the lens I look at it through. And I think you can build stories to that. Um, if you're intelligent, uh, if you're an intelligent booker and intelligent storyline writer, uh, and that's not a critique, that's just a general statement. Losing Amy Rose, okay, like, we, we go back to what we discussed, I think, two weeks in a row, a couple weeks back, and just the verbal abuse that Amy Rose took from Kenny King. Um, the the writing was on the wall. Now, the fact that it got physical, like, uh, okay, so you got you to gotta pick your spots there and, and, and be smart about that or, or just choose not to do it at all. Because like you said, there, there was an out there from what you observed, if I heard you correctly. Where does she land? That's the question. Uh, and I know that as we talk about the main event here momentarily and the fallout from that match, there might seem to be an easy destination. It also might be too easy to put it right there. Right. Oh, absolutely. And before we get to that main event, I did want to mention two other uh, storyline points that happened throughout the show. Uh, one really strange one. Delirious came out during one of the on-cameras. Rocky Romero uh, was on the commentary team with Caprice and Ian, um, who I, I just need to say, Ian Riccoboni is one of the best play-by-play guys in the business at this point. He does a really good job. When he gets excited, um, I mean, he's just screaming at points. And But it's coming off, it kind of sounds like you're sitting with him at a wrestling show somewhat sometimes. And I kind of like that. Um, I'm a Cubs fan, as many, many people know. Uh, Ron Santo, former great from the Cubs, uh, rest his soul, passed away a number of years ago, but was a a radio announcer for the Cubs for years. And I always loved the fact that Ron lived and died by what was going on on the field. I mean, if, if something went bad for the Cubs, you just heard him go, Oh no, or, you know, whatever. Um, just like you were sitting with him. It's like watching a game with your grandpa kind of thing. Um, and well, Ian is definitely not old enough to be anybody's grandfather. Um, 
it's I feel like sometimes it's like sitting next to him at the show, and and I enjoy that personally. Um, so kudos to him. Caprice does a really nice job as well, and Romero obviously does a good job when he's there. And but Delirious came out, whispered something in Romero's ear, and all Romero said was, "I think that was a challenge of some sort." Okay, here's my thing. I assume we're building to a Delirious Rocky Romero match on TV, and that's fine. But I don't need it on the pay per view to build to a Rocky Romero Delirious match. Like it was just an odd segment that never got followed up on the pay per view. I'm sure it will on TV, or I hope it does. Um, but if you're going to use pay per view to build your TV show, I'm actually okay with that. I get it, but it doesn't need to be Delirious Rocky Romero. <laughs> um, I, uh, okay. Um, probably enough said on that. I don't know, Tom. Do you have a hot Match, take? Matches that you couldn't wait to see in 2021. Right, and, I feel like, and, and it might not materialize. It might be something totally different than that. So let's be fair. Let's be fair. That right, being we'll said, right. on the surface, it, it that's what it very well could be. So, right, I'm pretty sure. I don't have a ton of Ring of Honor DVDs left, but I'm pretty sure if I walked out into my man cave here, I've got a a, a Rocky Romero Delirious match from 2007 or something like that, or Rocky Romero the Havana Pitbulls versus Delirious and Matt Seidel or something like that. Um, if I really want to see them. Go at it. And uh, I don't, um, just for the record. And also Maria Canellis came out, Maria Canellis Bennett, excuse me, uh, came out and announced that the Ring of Honor women's title is, uh, which was supposed to happen last spring. Uh, of course, COVID uh, happened. So the tournament is coming this summer. Uh, Angelina Love and Mandy Leone made their return as the allure. I just, I don't need them in Ring of Honor, but they're there and they're going to be there, whatever. Um, but the kind of cool part in following up on a story that's been going on for about a year um, is that they did book Angelina and Quinn McKay in a match for TV coming up. If Love wins, she gets a bye in the first round. But uh, Love has been bullying McKay for months, and and she and Leon attacked her on the set of Week by Week. Oh, gosh, four or five months ago now, maybe longer. Um, so this has been a really slow burn story, and I liked that McKay was excited but then she also got serious at the end of it and just stared a, a hole through Angelina Love. Um, because when Quinn missed a week of week by week and then came back after the attack, uh, she gave a pretty darn good promo, frankly, on week by week that said she was going to go back into training, which she had trained as a professional wrestler before. She was going to go back into training and she would be, you know, coming for blood, basically, from Angelina. And, and she kind of flipped that switch after being her kind of normal, nerdy, happy-go-lucky self through the whole thing. Um, and got serious looking at Angelina. I'm looking forward to that match. I've never seen a Quinn McKay match. I know there are some on YouTube, I'm sure. Um, but those are from so long ago that that probably doesn't speak to who she is now. Um, I'm, they've done a nice job with that story that it actually, if you told me that I would be looking forward to an Angelina love match in 2020, 2021, excuse me, uh, I would tell you you were nuts, but I am. So kudos. They've done a nice job with that story. Uh, and I'm excited to see the women's title uh, come. It is not going to be the Women of Honor title anymore. Uh, this is a brand new title. So they're not, uh, it sounds like they're not even going to talk about the lineage. Of course, there was all sorts of political fallout with Kelly Klein. Um, that could be a whole story in and of itself. We don't need to really go into that. And there's lawsuits going on and everything with that now. So um, it sounds like this is just going to be a brand new title move forward called the Ring of Honor Women's title, which I like better than Women of Honor anyways. Um, be interesting to see who they get for this tournament because I think part of why they didn't put a date on it yet is they're hoping to get 
maybe Session Moth Martina and Kelly Ann, who are both international talents that are signed to Ring of Honor and were supposed to be in the original tournament. Um, a few others that they had originally announced have now signed with Impact or AEW. Um, so I'm sure there'll be some shuffling of who they originally had. But uh, And maybe Amy Rose finds a spot in that tournament as well. I think that could definitely happen. Uh, but the main event, Roosh defeats uh, Jay Lethal in a, in a pretty good match. Um, nothing wrong with it. and uh, But the story really came after the match uh, when Brody King came out, uh, as you and I had talked about last week, that maybe, maybe that violence uh, promo had something to do with Brody King. And sure enough, it did. Uh, and he brought out his new group, uh, which apparently is going to be called Violence Unlimited. Uh, they talked about it week by week. I, I like that. That works for me. Uh, but he brought out his group uh, with Tony Deppen came out with him. And Tony just, I like Tony as the mad little guy. Um, not a Spike Dudley, because it's not like an intelligence kind of thing like Spike they played off. But just, you know, he's a little Wolverine. I don't know. I, I think that'll be fun. And then I, I would not have called this. Chris Dickinson and Homicide jump into the ring and they attack both LFI and then eventually attack Jay Lethal as well, showing that they're out for themselves and nobody else. Um, Tom, you and I have been Ring of Honor fans since day one. Homicide has been around since about day three. Um, you know, I'm just throwing dates around. Um, but he's a long time and hasn't been in Ring of Honor for quite some time. He looked shredded. He looked good. Um, the last time I had seen Homicide, you know, he looked like a guy towards the end of his career put on some extra pounds, all that kind of, The guy was in great shape. Dickinson, I think, is one of the most underrated guys in wrestling. I'm so glad to see him finally get a, uh, a TV shot uh, with somebody. What are you thinking of Violence Unlimited? And and now we've got three factions at least, um, plus Shane Taylor promotions um, as well. So there's four at least. Um, and maybe I'm forgetting somebody. But um, angling for the top of Ring of Honor, what are you thinking, Tom? Yeah, I'm excited very much about this. For me, Tony Deppin is the odd man out, which is really weird to say because he's got a story that runs deeper in Ring of Honor than Chris Dickinson. That being said, I'm I'm a huge fan of Dickinson. Like you mentioned, you are as well. He's been getting a lot of shine on New Japan Strong. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen any of that, but I I go back to being a fan of Dickinson from his time with uh, Jaka as a tag team in Evolve. And I thought both of those guys were ready to potentially get signed by WWE then, and it never materialized. I don't know when the Evolve and WWE relationship was was peaking or was very active. There were access shows during WrestleMania weekend that Evolve talents were were appearing, and I know Dickinson and, and Jaka were on those spots. And many of the other guys that were involved uh, in that kind of frame of reference, frame of time frame, had ended up getting signed, like Malcolm Bivens, and there were I'm sure Austin Theory was part of that too at some point or or some someone in that same vein. So the faction on paper is solid. My my statement about Tony Depp and aside, you nailed it. He can be that like fiery, feisty Wolverine and seemingly now because and and I, and I I, I, we knew this was coming, and it was clearly planned before, and we're guessing, I think, based on TV, before the actual anniversary show materialized. The wondering is now, it seems like LFI, as a faction, really is disintegrating. I mean, I and I think we'd both agree, we don't need Bestia Del Ring around <laughs> at all. Uh, uh, you know, just 
taking up a spot that could be better filled by someone else. I think we would agree. Kenny King and, and Roosh seem to be the constants, but Amy Rose is now out and the Dragon Lee's on the shelf. So while we thought maybe when we talked at Final Battle Fallout and projecting six months, we didn't, I think Brody King was going to be at the forefront, maybe not in this, in this uh, entity or with a faction, but it now seems to have shifted where Violence Unlimited uh, and maybe the foundation may be the maybe what carries the ball with LFI having to maybe regroup and then come back around. Uh, so, but we'll see. I, I'm excited. I love that it gives uh, purpose to all four guys in Violence Unlimited. I think that it makes a lot of sense now. I know we talked, and, and you really were a strong proponent of not having guys like, and, and I'm going to say his name because it's who is the current champion, Tracy Williams having two belts and having to defend those. I think you easily could flip either the TV title or the tag titles to another group or to Violence Unlimited. Is that all kind of maybe too quick? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I think when you have, you know, not so you've got pure rules, you've got cheaters, and then you've got people who want to, you know, promote violence. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to be ruthless. But I think that they're going to have a strong, aggressive style in the ring, and I think all four of those guys that are in that group bring that. So if you have if you have a way where you catch someone, you know, who wants to bring purity to Ring of Honor or, or, or traditional pro wrestling, and that 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 puzzle gets solved because of violence, or like you need to create an antidote to that. Like I think there's there's a, there's a there's a great story to tell there if they choose to tell it. Yeah, and, and I think you just nailed it. I like that um, you have. The pure wrestling, the foundation, the pure wrestling, you have the violence, you have the the cheaters. And then with Shane Taylor promotions, you kind of have just the simple respect. Um, it, not the pure wrestling as much, but just, you know, respect and, and but but wanting what's yours as well. Um, so I, I like that each faction has a reason for existing. Um, it's not just, well, we got to do something with these guys, so let's put them in a faction. Um, I'll be honest, when Ring of Honor created Lifeblood, a uh, year and a half ago or so, I kind of felt like that's what it was. We had a bunch of new people. Um, and even when PCO and Brody King got put into Villain Enterprises, um, I, I felt like it was, well, we got to do something with them. Let's put them in a faction. Um, that may be a little bit what they've done here, but they gave the factions reasons for existing, which is a little thing, but it means a ton. I think so. It's going to be, I'm really interested uh, and excited to watch TV moving forward um, as they come out of this um, ring of honor. Like I said, home run show. Uh, if you've got a few hours and want to watch something, it's only 10 bucks for honor club. So it's a good value. Um, my guess is you're going to enjoy this three hours more than you're going to enjoy either night of WrestleMania. Um, but that's just my assumption. And we'll get to WrestleMania in about a week as far as, folks listening uh but uh anything else on ring of honor tom that we want to no yeah tv I, I one thing i just want to say is i think they need to do a better job uh to your comment earlier about the promo that involved Taven and bennett they need to do a little bit better job of the 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 tvs that air the weekend of a, of a pay-per-view or a big show they didn't like there was nothing wrong with last week they actually the, the pure gauntlet played out really nicely. And if it leads to Freddie Ahai getting a chance at Jonathan Gresham down the road, I'm on board with that. That being said, it didn't feel like you talked about continuity earlier. It didn't feel like part of the continuity in a strong way with the buzz of what should have been a, a major weekend of, of action for ring of honor. 
Yeah, because it airs at different times, because they don't have a single time. Um, I did listen to Joe Koff was on the ROH Strong podcast this week, and I did listen to that. And he said they actually had been shooting for um, having their show on a specific time on a specific channel um, before the pandemic. They're still hoping to do that. So if they can do that, maybe they can help with this. But I feel like because it airs at different times, they just kind of throw things that have nothing to do with the pay-per-view on that weekend show because they don't want to spoil anything. And they also don't want to have, you know, Dragon Lee on the TV show with the TV title, but he's losing it at the pay-per-view. So I understand the problem they've got, but I don't know, fix it, find a way out of it. (laughs) Um, Because I agree. I don't look forward to the TV episodes usually on the pay-per-view weekends because I know they're pretty much throwaway episodes Um, or they have nothing to do with the main storylines anyways. So, yeah, totally agreed with you there. Well, we have spent a good amount of time on Ring of Honor, but now it is time to turn our attention towards a whole bunch of people who have been in Ring of Honor uh, at some point or another, or at least a number of them have been. Uh, but it's our head-to-head for TakeOver, Stand and Deliver. Um, for those watching on YouTube, you'll see the banner at the bottom says Night 1. The banner will change between Night 1 and Night 2, but we're just going to do these all as one pick There are 12, uh, 10 matches. Is that right, 10? Yep, that is correct. Matches uh, between the two nights for for takeover. So uh, we have got a yeoman's task ahead of us to make all these picks, um, and then then we have our mania coming. Um, I'm excited to talk about takeover, Tom. So uh, again, I'm behind by two matches. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to call out when we were talking yeah. about head to head updates earlier, I was actually looking at notes. So last year in the second half of the year, and it was a little bit more than the full second half of the year, we only picked combined 70 matches each. We are currently at 49 matches entering these two shows. And as you called out, there's 10 here, and there will be at least 12 for WrestleMania. We are going to be four months into the year, and we are going to be within a match or so of matching what we picked over the course of six months last year. Now, is that a function of turning the corner in the pandemic and there being more wrestling? Not necessarily. I mean, we, we've added some things this year and we've gotten really in a, in a comfortable zone with these head-to-heads. That being said, there's going to be a lot more uh, opportunity between the both of us as we continue to compete to, uh, to, to close the gap or to widen the gap uh, between now and when this segment of the Pickums wrap in June. So I just want to throw that little nugget out there to, to discuss uh, or to, to just to mention as kind of a, a footnote in the ongoing battle between the two spot monkeys. <laughs> Absolutely. And and we should also report that uh, your win for last uh, half season has been paid off um, and a Darby Allen AEW figure will someday be on its way to you from Pro Wrestling Tees and Shop AEW. Um, it was ordered over a week ago and um, I don't know. Apparently they're still sculpting Darby's head or something. I'm not sure really what's going on there, but um, it, it's coming. It's been paid for. You've had a tracking number for about a week, which that is the bizarre part to me. If you have a tracking number, put it in the mail. Um, but, that's usually how those things work. Yeah. Right. Just, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Anyways, that's a, another story for another day, probably too. But um, so let's start talking AE, uh, AEW, NXT. Sorry. <laughs> Freudian slip there uh, with night one and a match that was just announced uh, this past week on the show, Pete Dunne versus Kushida. Uh, You know, Tom, so I'll make the first pick since I'm the one behind here. Um, 
I got to be honest, I have no idea who to pick in this match. Uh, these are two guys that I really like. I've been a Pete Dunne fan since I, I I was aware of Pete Dunne before that first UK tournament, but I really that was my first uh, long form exposure to him, and immediately became a fan of his. I've been a fan all along. Uh, Kushida, I enjoyed in New Japan, but I've really liked this more aggressive side that we've seen to Kushida in the last, I don't know, few months. Um, so so I, this is going to be a battle. They're going to beat the tar out of each other, and I'm going to love every minute of it. Um, but I think there's more story being told with Pete Dunne saying he's the, the best in the world, the toughest, whatever. I think he's got to get through a few people doing that before there's going to be some big payoff to that. And I don't know what that is. I don't know um, who that might be. I don't know if NXT even knows who that might be yet. Um, they might be booking this as they go along. Uh, but this is going to be really, really fun, um, whether it's the first match or, or somewhere in the middle uh, next Wednesday night. Uh, Pete Dunn, Kushida is going to be fun. And I'm just going to go straight off the bat and take Pete Dunn. Uh, for the winner in that first match. I agree with that pick, and my pick is Pete Dunn as well. I'd written it before you made yours. Um, I trust. Not, you. not that it matters. You know, and that's, I mean, this is, this is a, a game, a strategy, a competition. Uh, I, I like how quickly they put together this match and the way that they built it Wednesday on NXT. It's interesting that it took that interaction and the backstage promo to get us here because Pete Dunn had been calling out someone, please someone answer my, my challenge. I think he would have made Kushida look a little bit better from the NXT perspective booking wise, if he would have simply just stepped up before the, the promo and then the interaction in the match, but that adds a feel to this fire. And I agree with you. I think this is going to be a, a killer match. It's actually funny in my opinion, because I like these two guys a ton. That being said, the last time that they were both on a takeover together, Kushida against Gargano and Dunn against Balor, I was underwhelmed by the matches. Now, I know that there are pundits out there, uh, journalists, that praise these matches very highly. So they just didn't land with me. That being said, I really have high hopes that these two together in the ring will be a really good fit and they'll mesh well and they'll have a great match, high quality. I agree, though. The, the pick for me is done because I think the, the long the longer game or story, there's something brewing with Dunn. And I think winning here helps further that. Absolutely. I love it. All right. The next match, Tom, is the gauntlet match, which will determine a challenger for Johnny Gargano on night two of NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. Uh, we had a battle royal on NXT this week. Uh, the top six people or the last six people left in an 11-man battle royal. Uh, you could have thrown a couple more people in there. But anyways, uh, the last six qualified for this match. And the order in which those six were eliminated then also determined the order for the gauntlet. I like that NXT did. They told a reason for all of those things happening. They told a reason who's going to be last in the gauntlet, who, what order is the gauntlet, who's going to be in the gauntlet. I like that they did all of that. So it's Leon in order of, of entrance. Leon Ruff, Isaiah Scott, Bronson Reed, Cameron Grimes, Dexter Loomis, and L.A. Knight. Tom, you get the first pick. Yeah, I, I like the Let guys here. <laughs> I like the guys here. I And, and storyline-wise, the involvement of these six make a lot of sense. Do I, for my personal taste, do I wish there were different guys in this? Yes. Like, 
But what would those be? Uh, I mean, I, Austin, I think Austin Theory makes a lot of sense, especially with the way that the way has been building. I think there would have been a fun story to potentially tell there. And and I think, you know, we all know, or I think we all know, uh, or you, maybe maybe we don't all know. That was a very assumptive statement, presumptive statement. Th- eventually, we're going to get Austin Theory and Johnny Gargano. It might not be until August. So this is a super slow burn. But the more that they can do to build that and, like, lay these seeds on the path i i want to eat those seeds up as we go you could have done that here it's okay that you're not but i I, i'm I'm a fan of that and i've really enjoyed austin theory's character of being like super athletic but aloof like when he fell out of the ring on wednesday he's like yes i'm not eliminated and then he nips up and like right what what a dumb jock move At first, when he was laying there, I was like, okay, like, Indy and Johnny are going to come pick him up and put him back in the ring because he kept his feet up. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking at him, and I'm like, that idiot's going to kip up, isn't he? <laughs> and he sure did. I, yeah. I agree. I liked it. Yeah. I, Roderick Strong. I, and again, they're telling a different story with Roderick Strong, but I'd love to see Roderick Strong here. Uh, and and, and I, I thought it was very interesting that they chose to do Roderick Strong, Cameron Grimes in the opener. I mean, it made sense storyline-wise, and then they were both featured in this match. Now, clearly, Cameron Grimes got here and kept going, and we know why Roddy didn't, because Roddy took the loss, and he, he's faced with the, the breakup of the Undisputed Era, and, and who knows what that means for his career. So he said he was done on Wednesday. Again, he's not done, but... But I do have to say, nice little attention to detail, knowing the story they're telling. Um, having Grimes pull out the wristband with the Undisputed Era to have that be what distracted Strong. I thought that was a brilliant little piece of of story. Um, I, 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 yeah, so kudos to them on that. Sorry, I'm jumping into your time. Here. No, you're no, you're good. It's all good. Uh, uh, but I love Isaiah Scott. I feel like going back to last year when we had the uh, interim cruiserweight title, uh, uh, G1, G1 Climax, you know, type deal. And I really hoped he was going to come out with the belt. Again, I don't want to pigeonhole him into the cruiserweight space, but I think that the 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 ceiling is still so high for Isaiah Scott. Um, I love Bronson Reed. I think that he's been built well and he's tremendously talented. I like him more here in NXT than I ever got into him as Jonah Rock in PWG. I love Cameron Grimes. Uh, I think there's lots to do with LA Knight. I think actually LA Knight, I think I mentioned it last week, is better in that Robert Stone kind of mode than Robert Stone is. Uh, from the talking perspective and from the look perspective, but they want to use them as an ingrained talent. And if you're paying someone, you got to you got to you got to maximize their gifts and their talents. Now, I think he's, he's also far better in the ring than than Robert Stone. True, exactly, exactly. Uh, and, and then you've got Dexter Loomis, who is just that weird character, and uh, and has been hanging around. So I don't know how we're going to get through, but I like that it's starting with Ruff and Scott because the issue is there and, and maybe it helps close that issue. I think it's better fit here than having to have a one-off singles match. I, I, I get more investment here. Uh, you've got the the Reed and Knight element potentially of clashing. Um, Grimes still doing you know his crazy billionaire thing. And then, and, then, and then there's Loomis, who's been very involved in, in, the, in the way in which Johnny Gargano. My pick here, I don't know how we get here. It clearly has to come down to if I, with this pick, I'm going to make Loomis versus LA Knight. Uh, and I'm picking Dexter Loomis. But that would mean LA Knight has to lose again. And that's two pinfall losses in a month. 
Uh, and, and maybe it's not a pinfall loss. Maybe it's something else. Maybe 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 the issue is Bronson Reed, LA Knight, and that's part of what happens here to play out. But I think that the North American title match on Thursday is Gargano Loomis finally with the title on the line because that hasn't happened yet, if I recall correctly. And and we'll get to that pick here momentarily. But Dexter Loomis is my is my pick to come out of here. Yeah, I love how you set that all up, Tom, and 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 I agree with so much of what you just said. I I I like all six of these guys in there. Um, I I you know, you're not wrong to say you'd love to see Roddy in there, but yeah, they're obviously telling a different story, and I I expect there's a good chance we could see him in the unsanctioned match uh, play some role in that match. Um, you know, maybe he's the Dutch to Taven and Vincent. I don't know. Uh, well, it's funny that you say that. Because when you mentioned that in the ROH kind of summary, I, I immediately thought, oh, if you didn't really enjoy that, what if Roddy Strong comes in <laughs> to Cole O'Reilly? And I think there's at least a chance that something like that happens in that match. Um, but we'll talk about that in a, in a little bit here. Um, I, like you, love that Ruff and Scott are starting this. Um, I Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to get to Bronson Reed LA Knight. Um, because there's been so much of that, and maybe Bronson Reed plays into this, but I'm with you. There's no way on earth that I don't see Dexter Loomis winning this because Loomis Gargano should be on this takeover. They've told the story for months now. It it should happen on this takeover, and since they're doing the gauntlet to get to the North American title, then Loomis has to win the gauntlet. Uh, so that means if Loomis and Knight are, are the final, then Reed doesn't make it tonight because Knight is the last one into the gauntlet. So uh, I I'm with you. I think Bronson Reed maybe gets involved somehow because that, that situation between Reed and Knight doesn't seem to be over. Uh, it, it is a little, you know, LA Knight will have three matches under his belt uh, come the end of this gauntlet since he'll only have one match uh, in this gauntlet. If you count each segment as a match, which I do, I think you do. He'll have three matches counting, you know, the one match, or four matches, I'm sorry. He'll have August Gray, uh, who he beat. He'll have the loss to Bronson Reed. He'll have the Battle Royal that he won. And then, we think, a loss to Dexter Loomis. So, yeah, I think you have to do it in a way that keeps Knight strong and doesn't hurt him. But I think there are ways to do that with Bronson Reed, whether he distracts him, whether he attacks him, whether he's something. Uh, and then Loomis puts him in the the uh, submission hold, and that's the end. Or even pins him. We haven't seen Loomis win a lot of matches by pin because he uses that uh, the submission, which the name is escaping me currently. Um, but anyways, we know, we know the one we're talking about, basically the Anaconda vice. It's pretty close to that. Uh, but Loomis and, is my winner. And, and Loomis, uh, winning makes sense. We, we, we talked a couple of ways of how it makes sense for the storyline wise, but the, the freak out of Johnny Gargano, you know, I imagine he'll be on commentary here. He's already complained that, you know, it's not fair that he only has 24 hours notice you know, to, to know who his challenger is. And even though he's got history with Loomis, I think it's clear that he wants to dodge him. So him winning here, if that's the route they go, again, continues that story. And and we'll get to that second night pick here momentarily. And, and I think it's possible. Maybe it's not Reed. Maybe it's Gargano. You know, Gargano and Knight kind of had a little face off there uh, right at the end. Maybe it's Gargano tries to help Knight win you know, and tries to smack Loomis with a chair or something and ends up misfiring and hits night. And so then we set up some other issue for down the road. Uh, although they're both heels and certainly neither of them should be going babyface anytime soon. So, um, 
I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I agree. Gargano's out on commentary on this. If he isn't, they're nuts. The guy's great on the mic. Um, and Loomis is your pick to confirm? And Loomis is my pick. Yes. Okay. Loomis is my pick as well. So we're we're the same here through two. Let's see what happens with this one, though. The NXT tag team, that should say title, for those watching on YouTube, decision match. Uh, unfortunately, the injury to Danny Birch. The tag team titles got uh, vacated, which you and I have both been saying that we, we thought it was probably time to get them off Birch and Lorcan anyways. Very unfortunate that this is the way that it happens and not in the ring. Um, and unfortunate for Danny Birch as well uh, that he's going to be out. It sounds like like six months with the shoulder injury. Uh, hopefully he can come back because, uh, you know, while I think it was time for them to get the titles off of them, it's not because I think Lorcan and Birch are done by any means. Uh, I You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with only Lorcan. We, we've seen in WWE in general when a tag team partner goes down, the other one either gets forgotten about or thrown into like random jobber mode, um, jobber to the stars mode. Or if you're on Raw, the 24-7 division, and then later the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, because that's mostly the 24-7 division that's in that Battle Royal, uh, which isn't even happening on Mania, but that's a, that's a story for another uh, episode. This one, though, MSK, Grizzled Young Veterans in a rematch uh, from the Dusty Cup Finals, but we also add in Legado del Fantasma. Um, you know, I, I, there was a part of me that wanted to figure out, how, do MSK and Grizzled Young Veterans cancel each other out, and Legado somehow sneaks away with the titles, um, and we set Legado up as, you know, even more of a faction to be dealt with in NXT. I wouldn't hate that. I just don't think that's where they're going. Um, I think Legato is here to take the fall because I think MSK and Grizzled Young Veterans is going to be your tag team title feud for at least a while. Um, that being said, when you're going to do a feud for a while, the baby faces chasing the heels always makes more sense to me. Uh, I think that just is an easier story to tell, an easier story to follow. I think MSK has been really, really good in their in their debut run here in NXT and they certainly will be NXT champions I think at some point but I don't think the point is here um, so I am going with soon to be recognized as the NXT tag team champions Zach Gibson, James Drake the Grizzled Young Veterans they've been my pick for a while to win the titles um, and I think we finally get it here at TakeOver and since I in our Fantasy Wrestling League that we mention every once in a while here or every episode let's be honest uh, Owen Zach Gibson will be very happy if that happens. I can't uh, add a lot more to what you said because you painted a really great picture. The one thing I will just call back to is Legato Del Fantasma did beat the Grizzled Young Veterans a few weeks back. It was because of the MSK interference is when the, the broken hand angle continued. So their involvement here is not misplaced by any means. Right. But I but I completely agree with you that the, they are here to allow MSK and GYV to continue this uh, their their issue beyond this match, and I can't disagree that GYV are the ones that walk away as champs because it is pro wrestling one hundred and one that the babyface chase the heel, and that's where even though even though. The, the old statement is that's where the money is. Well, I don't think the money is there at all because money in pro wrestling now is a is a whole different ball game. Because uh, no one's really buying tickets at all unless you're going to Mania uh, or perhaps AEW Live. I want MSK to win the belt so bad here, but I it'd be foolish for me just to think that they would 
when the greater story is Grizzled Young Vets having the titles, being validated as champions, yet not having uh, pinned MSK still. Like the issue is like MSK is their is their kryptonite, and that story continues. So yeah, GYV for me as well. All right, Tom, you got a little scratch in your microphone. I don't know if it's rubbing on your face a little bit or uh, maybe maybe or, my sweatshirt or your sweatshirt. I wasn't sure where the mic was on there, but just an FYI, scratchy face, a little scratchy. Yeah, I wasn't uh, insinuating that Tom doesn't shave, but uh, you know. <laughs> just just thought I'd bring it to your attention. Um, certainly better than when we had the, the internet issues uh, about a month ago. That was that was a fun show. <laughs> the next match, Tom, you're going to get uh, the first pick on is the UK title match. Interestingly enough, Walter defending against not a UK wrestler, uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, this will be a, yeah, this will be a light affair, huh? <laughs> Well, we talked about this before we hit record, but I'm going to bring it up here now, too. Uh, I uh, I felt as if Tommaso Ciampa was a cold bowl of oatmeal for the last three to six months. He just wasn't doing it for me. And, and this is, again, a guy like the, 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 the lineage of his NXT career with so many great things with Gargano and D, uh, DIY and Adam Cole and then I don't know. Look, look back from September until now, and the stuff with Thatcher and the fight pit was good, uh, and they're, they they seemed to hit a little bit of a groove in the Dusty Cup, but it just it wasn't it wasn't the Champa that I that I really knew and, and grew to love and really enjoy. Now I recognize in pro wrestling you have to you have to rise up and you have to go down, and there's ebbs and flows to careers. But in my opinion. Ciampa was one of those guys that should have always been upper echelon NXT, and it felt like he was really taking a step back here. Now, the promo he cut, like so before I get to that, the when this match started to materialize, and I and I thought when I when I kind of had the the aha moment of oh my, it's gonna potentially be Ciampa Walter, and then it materialized, I was like, super. Like, like nothing else. If they don't say a, a peep, they're gonna murder each other in the ring, and it's gonna be a slugfest and it's gonna be awesome. Then you add the layer of the Champa, in my opinion, of old, returned with the promo in the backstage backstage segment he cut on Wednesday, and it made me care that much more about this match. This match, hands down, is the absolute match I am most looking forward to on next Wednesday for night one. And there's a lot of good things. The one it should be stated very clearly from my perspective, and hopefully you feel the same way. I think this is one of the better build for a takeover and i am grateful that they have tonight to, to spread it out the the quality of matchups and the quality of talent and the stories on the on the table here are at in my opinion an all-time high for a takeover again we're so used to and conditioned to just the one night five match takeovers we're getting two nights of five matches a piece and they're all high caliber uh you know in the past i think you could argue that maybe one of the five on a given night was definitely a slot lower than the other things on the card. I don't know if you can really say that here with what's happening over the course of the two nights. So, uh, soapbox statement there aside, let's get back to this match. I so, so, so want Ciampa to win. I so want him to win. I think it would validate him. That being said, I don't think and see him because he has a wife and a young daughter being on the UK brand 
unless they were to flip it to someone else after takeover to bring it back to the UK. And that's possible, but I haven't thought that through far enough yet. So as much as I want Ciampa to win, I don't think that this is the spot where Walter loses the title and his amazing 600, 700 plus day reign, wherever it's at by the time the show happens, continues and, and, and Walter retains. Yeah, I think it's interesting. This is on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, on, on NXT UK, Walter's defending the NXT UK title against Rampage Brown. Continuity. Continuity. Um, now, you could have Ciampa win the match and say, well, this was taped before NXT TakeOver happened live last night. But they never, I don't think, I haven't watched much of NXT UK since it's come back. Um, I, I'd love to. I just, there's only so many hours I can devote to watching wrestling. And it's unfortunately, because I've heard good things about it. Um, it and MLW and some other things have just fallen by the wayside. I mean, I got to give myself time to watch Dark Elevation, right? No, I don't do that. Um, <laughs> yikes. Anyways, um, so that uh, that bugs me. I'll be perfectly honest. It bugs me that they've announced a Walter t- title match for the day after a Walter title match. Um, but um, I, yeah, I'm with you. I would love Ciampa to win this. I would love Ciampa to get a title again. I love him as a champion. Just, I like it. Um, and, and I do agree with you. I think his promo on Wednesday lit a fire under this match. Um, my assumption is we see Timothy Thatcher return here. And I think we see Timothy Thatcher join Imperium. Um, frankly, it fits better than the odd couple that they had with Ciampa and Thatcher. Hey, if it gets us a couple more Ciampa and Thatcher matches, I'm actually okay with that. Um, you know, those two beating the tar out of each other has been fun as well um, in the past. So I think Thatcher comes back and costs Ciampa the match, and uh, Walter keeps the title because, after all, he's got that important title match on Thursday with Rampage Brown, um, which I'm sure will be good, too. I don't know a lot about Rampage Brown. I'm aware of the name. I uh, don't know a lot of his stuff because, again, I haven't been able to see it. But uh, Walter is going to be my pick as well. And I agree, this probably, I'm with you, probably the thing I'm looking forward to most on Wednesday as well. Again, not saying anything against the other four matches. There isn't a match really on this show, on, on either night of this show. The women's tag title match would probably be my least anticipated of the 10 matches. Uh, but they've told a good story there too. So, I, you know, there's nothing that makes me, like you said, go, why is that on takeover? Um, you know, they're not doing some random whatever match. Uh, also, we're getting uh, uh, a debut on the 13th when uh, NXT goes to Tuesday nights that they didn't decide to put on takeover here as well um, with the dog uh, who ran through the whole show. And uh, I think it's fairly obvious, uh, Tom, I'm sure you have realized who that is, um, but Taya Valkyrie coming in uh, to NXT uh, as oh, I lost the name now. It's like, it's not Foxy, but it's something else. Um, it starts with an F, and I forgot the name. Is it Frankie? Frankie. Frankie, and, and she's going to have a last name. I've seen it online, but um, <laughs> I did love Beth Phoenix. What's up with the dog? I'm just going to pass him through I felt the same way with Beth. Like I was like, oh, this like, you're giving TV. I mean, and, and again, the payoff is what it is going to be. I understand that, but... And you're, switch, and you're switching nights, so you're no longer competing with AEW in a couple weeks. I, I mean, in not even a couple weeks, a week. AEW won the war. Let's just call it like it is. Uh, so go ahead and put your dogs on. 
Put your let the dog <laughs> who who let the dogs out? NXT let the dogs out. Yeah, they did. Um, so my point to, to mentioning uh, her coming in was, you know, they've got all this other stuff on it, and then you've still got other stuff coming that you could have normally seen on a takeover. Um, I will say as well, though, that I do like with Ty Valkyrie coming in, and I know I'm totally off of the Walter thing and not moving into the main event yet, um, that they did a, a that, whether you like the dog thing or not, they did that to debut her and didn't just have her sitting in the Capitol Wrestling Center at takeover. That's been overdone. I know they haven't really done it at the Capitol Wrestling Center, but that had been overdone so much with NXT that uh, this was a much better way to debut somebody. So anyways, and it builds uh, towards their Tuesday move. Another story for another day. We got a little sidetracked there. Imagine that. Two squirrel monkeys every once in a while here. NXT women's title match is our main event for the first night. Love that they're giving the women this spot on USA. Um Io Shirai versus Raquel Gonzalez. And man, did they give this thing a build on Wednesday. Uh, they've been building it for a long time here anyways, but holy smokes, throughout the whole night, Raquel throwing Io through the wall at one point. Um, Io, you know, Raquel literally telling her, stay down, and Io never staying down and coming back for more. Uh, they told an awesome story to get me ready for this match on Wednesday night. Um, I was already looking forward to this match, and they did a great job Wednesday night. Kudos to NXT. Uh, one of their better Wednesday night episodes, I think, in, in some time uh, to build to this. Sometimes go-home shows feel like kind of just keeping the status quo until after the, the pay-per-view or the takeover in this case. They were balls of the wall on Wednesday night and, and gave things purpose and meaning, uh, gave this match meaning. You know, I, I've gone back and forth on my pick on this one uh, as I've thought about things because Io Shirai has been maybe one of the best NXT women's champions they've ever had. Um, I, 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 not even maybe. She's definitely one of. You could put her at number one, I think. Um, she's been awesome in this role. I just don't know if there's a ton left for her. And I would not be shocked to see Io Shirai on Raw or SmackDown come the Monday after WrestleMania. Uh, so there tips my hat. I think it's Raquel's time. I think they put Raquel, um, the belt on Raquel. I think it causes some dissension with Dakota Kai. I think there's definitely a feud down the road with Raquel and Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai. Um, but Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez went from somebody who, when they brought her in with Dakota Kai, I went, okay. Yeah. She's got to have a bodyguard. Okay. You know, the, this girl probably isn't ready yet. I, I, I wrote her off. Um, then she had a couple of matches and I was like, well, eh, there might be something there. You know, it, we'll see how it develops. Man, she's awesome now. And quick. She got awesome quick. Um, Raquel's a star. And I, I think it's time for her to carry the NXT women's division forward. Um, I think Raquel versus Shotzi and Ember and some other folks along the way are going to be really, really fun uh, matches. Maybe even Tony Storm. Obviously, they'd be heel-heel right now, at least. I could see Raquel as a babyface before too long, though, too, because I think the fans are already getting behind her as it is. And if you add more fans into the mix going forward, we'll see how that all works out. Um, I could see that happening kind of organically. Um, but Raquel, I, I think Raquel Gonzalez ends uh, TakeOver Night 1 and end the Wednesday night run of, take, of NXT on USA as the new NXT Women's Champ. It's really interesting when you go back and you take a look at the Mae Young Classic and you look at Reina Gonzalez and the 
the evolution of Raquel Gonzalez from that talent and that person to who she is now. And it's amazing. It's not the only time we've ever seen that in pro wrestling, but it's a great story and it speaks to the hard work she's put in. Super top-notch talent. I disagree with you, though. I don't think it's her time on Wednesday night. Io Shirai is my pick to retain. I would like to see Io at least get to a year as champion. That's in a couple other months down the road because she won from Charlotte uh, last June. I think there's plenty of challengers left for Io. That being said, I do think she's done a lot in, in her run as champion. Selfishly, I wish that we weren't in a pandemic and having Capital Wrestling Center only events or you know limited fan events. I think she would probably have more buzz uh, about her run if there were other elements that we didn't have to take into account. Uh, so I think EO closes night one as a dominant champion. It's interesting because I felt like there were a number of times before where the title was going to switch and WWE uh, proved me wrong because they had EO retain. It'll be go figure if, when we do our recap here eventually for this show. <laughs> if I'm the one going, yep, uh, foot in mouth. Uh, they finally got me. Yeah. Well, well, I hope you are because that is the only match that we are different on in night one. Um, so I hope you're wrong, Tom. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. And it would be kind of funny. I, I agree. You know, it's uh it, it was me picking Randy Orton last year to beat Drew McIntyre. The one time I picked Drew McIntyre to win, Randy Orton wins the dumb title. Uh, so, yeah. The, sometimes they keep us on our heels. I don't know if that's good, bad, or, or the other. But, uh, well, <clears throat> we're going to move into night two. And just we'll, we'll keep going, Tom. So you would get the first pick here as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Um, and that first match uh, we've got is that women's tag title match that I mentioned. Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, the second women's tag team champions in NXT history, defending against Candice LeRae and Any Hartwell of the way. What you thinking here? Yeah, I'm going to have the champions retain here. I do think Candice and Indy would make a lot of sense as the champions. I think it may be a tad early. These titles are still less than a month old, and they already flipped them on the introduction of them on night one. Now, I know that titles don't mean the same thing in 2021 that they did in 1991 in terms of lineage and, and importance. doesn't mean that they shouldn't. So maybe my old school mentality is, is influencing the way I pick here. I just feel, though, that Shotzi and Ember deserve, and actually it's warranted for them to have a longer run as, as champions. Uh, I don't know who eventually challenges them. I actually I think we talked about this when they introduced the titles. It was kind of like too much of a good thing. You know, you didn't need one more title on NXT, but they gave it to us anyway. So uh, I, and, and, and I'll explain a little bit more why this, this pick has champions returning later in our picks, because there's, there's a method to the madness here, believe it or not. Uh, I champions retain, but I expect a really enjoyable and fun match. I think I know where you might be going with what you're going to say later on, because I might be having similar thoughts. Um, yeah, I'm going with the champs here too. Uh, Candace and Indy would make sense. Candace and Indy, uh, the way having more gold or or some gold, depending on how the North American title shakes out here later on in the night, uh, would make some sense. But there's also, you know, the way is not a tight, cohesive unit by any means. They are they are a unit, but 
they are they are having some issues um, and have been really since pretty early on in the whole thing. Um, so I think Shotzi and Ember win here. I think also, though, because, and, and I'm 100% with you, Tom, they flipped these on night one, which which you and I talked about. We didn't necessarily love the way they did that. Um, I just don't think you want to turn these into hot potato, um, especially this early. Uh, let let a team uh, put some meaning behind them, and, and I think Shotzi and Ember can do that. And if you're going to keep Shotzi and Ember as a unit, then um, let them continue to build as a unit, uh, which I think is good as well. So, uh, as I said, probably the match I'm least looking forward to out of the 10 yet it's still ahead of almost everything on WrestleMania. So, you know, kudos to NXT for building things in a way that even the least thing I'm looking forward to on TakeOver, I'm looking forward to more than a lot of WrestleMania. Not all, but a lot. Um, so it speaks to build, it speaks to characters, it speaks to investment um, that you've you pulled out of me into what you're doing. Uh, NXT does that in spades better than the main roster. The NXT Cruiserweight title unification now ladder match, which I loved the way a week ago they set that up with HBK coming out, which might be the first time we've seen him on NXT. I was trying to remember if he'd ever shown up before on NXT. Um, I don't think he had. And I love that he didn't say a word. He pulled the ladder out. He slid it right in between Escobar and Devlin. And then they looked at it. They looked at it. Was there a takeover sign to look at? I don't remember. Everybody looks at signs. Um, but that all happened, um, and then we moved it into a ladder match, which I thought all along it should be. Um, yes, old school can say a unification match should just be a regular one-on-one pinfall submission match. WWE does a unification match. They put the belts above. You grab them off from a ladder. That's just WWE booking one-on-one. So was it a crutch? Was it normal? Yeah. Does it matter? No. Looking forward to this a lot. Um. I've made it known before. I am a huge Santos Escobar fan. I like this guy a lot. Uh, Pre-ordered his figure from Deep Discount earlier this week. In fact, haven't even seen a render for it. Don't care. (laughs) Pre-ordered the figure. Um, Also pre-ordered the Aleister Black with the big horn jacket. But that's, we're not doing figures today. Uh, I I love Santos. Uh, I've said before, and I'll say it again, the only reason I would take the title off of Santos Escobar is if you're going to elevate him out of the cruiserweight division and on to into the main mix, which we've seen a little hint of. Um, he and Karrion Cross had their three-week feud or whatever that was uh, as well. But I don't think that's what's happening here. I think Santos wins this match and keeps the cruiserweight title. I'm not sure how long Jordan Devlin is back here in the U.S. for. Now, maybe he's sticking around long-term in the U.S. because it is hard to go back and forth right now between countries. We know that. A lot of countries uh, still have quarantine times when you come back, come into the country, uh, and, and that's probably in Europe going up a little bit because it does seem like cases in Europe have been uh, spiking again and there have been lockdowns again and all sorts of things. Um, cases here in the U.S. have been rising in some areas. In fact... Tom, I read yesterday that Michigan is the worst in the nation right now for rising cases. So stay safe, my friend. Um, but uh, I, I think I'm not going to go there. There, there. I think there. I think that's an inflated number. I am not dismissing the validity of the pandemic or COVID nineteen. Michigan has started testing all student athletes in Michigan as we enter spring sports season, and there has been an incredible uptick correlated to that. 
inclusion or that wasn't happening before. And I think that previous, I said I wasn't talking about this, and here I am I'm giving you the full scoop. I, 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 feel, I feel like the, I've, and again, it's 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 important because that's why people are supposed to not group and, and stay socially distant because I think young people, students, that being said, like I've got a 13 year old and she's playing spring soccer for for middle school and she's going to be doing rapid testing once a week, and I support that. But I think that if she were to, you know, a lot of I think from what I've read and I've not read everything or or, or all of the things that many students are asymptomatic and many young people are asymptomatic. And, and, and if that is the case, then, then that would contribute to why that number is increasing. Right. So not necessarily an inflated number, which kind of sounds like there's something uh, untoward, you know, bad happening, but a, a more accurate number. And perhaps your cases have been higher along the way, but testing wasn't revealing that because there wasn't as much testing. Yep. So and we we so spent ninety seconds more on that than we should have. So my apologies. Right. So COVID ends ladder match. Santos Escobar, uh, my my pick to win this. I think Legado del Fantasma probably gets involved. I don't know that Devlin has anybody to help him, um, but uh, you know I expect we'll see Raúl and and Joaquin here. Maybe maybe Devlin does. Maybe I don't know. Mustache Mountain shows up to help him or something. I mean that would they're UK stars at least. They they have no connection to each other. Um, but again, Tyler Bate is busy on Thursday as well on UK, NXT UK. So maybe don't do that because you can't have him in Tampa or in Orlando and in the UK at the same time if you're going to try to present as though that show is happening on Thursday. Um, although Walter somehow is making it between the two. Is it real or is it Memorex, as Steve Austin used to say? Uh, what are you thinking, Tom? Yeah, I love the. I love the ladder match inclusion. I wish that they would have given us a little bit more of like the history of why, especially because of Shawn Michaels. I think long-term fans would know, but I think there's people that probably are watching NXT that don't understand that uh, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon had two classic ladder matches. And both of those ladder matches, uh, specifically the first one, were because there were two dueling titles. And here we have two dueling titles. I do think the lineage stays with the interim champion, if you will, or the... Uh, uh, which is Santos Escobar? I think I think I think we're we're riding the ship here by having Santos becoming the, the the one and only cruiserweight champion. I think there's a lot more to do with him. I'd love to see him be featured a lot more. I'd love to see there be a little bit more like uh, focus on cruiserweight challengers. This has been really good, and this story has been building over time, albeit at a distance. I. I'm not Santos isn't as high for me as I know he is for you, but he's he is up there, and he's a he's a high quality talent, and he can he can he can speak pretty eloquently in the ring. We talked about Andrade last week, and there's still a lot out there with him, and there's been a couple of media interviews where he's talked about what he walked away from to 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 stake his own claim and and and, and have his path. No, I think Andrade is more talented than Santos Escobar, but Santos Escobar can speak better English, and that's why he. It might, might be a reach, might not be the only thing, but that's probably why he's still around and Andrade was floundering and catering. Uh, so Santos gets the win. I expect a, uh, an incredible match here. Both these two guys are talented in the ring and uh, sh should be brutal, should be fun. And I, I like the clarity of having one last man standing as the sole champion. Yeah, I'm glad we finally get that closure on this as well um, and, and get us back to one Cruiserweight champ. Um, hey, pandemic, I, I like that they did the interim title um, so that we didn't just have the Cruiserweight title being defended in the in NXT UK only, um, which wasn't running 
for quite a while uh, as well. So uh, worked for me. Moving on to that North American title match, Johnny Gargano versus what you and I both think will be Dexter Loomis. Uh, we just, as far as the YouTube side, just put gauntlet match winner on the slide. But uh, Tom, uh, you, you, I believe, have some feelings that an earlier match participants may play into this match as well. Actually, not here. So, no, I expect Johnny Gargano to, to retain and to, to, to keep the North American title. Uh, I do... I still strongly believe it's Dexter Loomis. I don't. I don't know that it does. I don't. I don't know that I see anyone out of those six on night one if it's not Loomis coming in and dethroning Gargano. Uh, I, I this Gargano is going to remain the champion, and he, he and he's he's the right guy for this spot right now. Uh, it's it's almost like the perfect fit for him because of the way the other kind of scenes are. Um, are playing out with certain talents. So I don't have a lot to say because I'm not super thrilled on this match. Like the, the idea of in-ring Loomis Gargano, we've already seen it. Now, is it going to go to the next level here at, at TakeOver if it's those two indeed? Sure. Uh, I don't have much more to say. Gargano retains. So we have our next difference. Uh, I think Dexter Loomis wins the title here. And I think by either mistake or purpose, Indy Hartwell somehow causes that to happen because Indy has obviously been infatuated with Dexter Loomis. Um, I think that story has more time to play out. Um, I do have to call out uh, from the Battle Royal on Wednesday, I love that Loomis just stood in the corner for the first half of the Battle Royal or whatever, because that's kind of his character, right? Um, he's the creepy stalker. He's not the violent stalker. Um, He's the creepy guy who stands and watches. So he stood in the corner and watched the rest, the, watched the battle royal while everybody else beat tar out of each other. Um, and it worked out well because with only eleven guys in the ring, you can pair off the other ten, and you got one left. So it, I don't know. I like that. Again, little things sometimes click. Um, but I think Loomis wins the title here. I don't think it's probably a long title reign. I think Gargano probably gets the belt back. You know, Gargano has won and lost this title about eight hundred times. It feels like. Um, he might be uh, challenging our truth for the most WWE titles in his career at this point. He's not, I realize, but um, it just feels that way sometimes. But uh, I think Loomis wins the belt here, like I said, with some interference of Indy Hartwell, whether that's she leaves the way or whether it's a, a mistake or or Gargano gets distracted because Indy's out there making goo-goo eyes at Loomis or something. I don't know. Um, but I'm going to go with Dexter Loomis to win this match. Um you know, Loomis doesn't do a ton for me in the ring. I like his character, but he's he's fine in the ring. He's not bad. He's fine, but he just doesn't wow me. We'll see. Maybe Gargano can can pull a takeover wow match out of him. Um, if anybody can, it's Johnny Takeover. So we'll see how that goes. All right, we have a double main event on night two of uh, Takeover. Sin deliver Adam Cole versus a Kyle O'Reilly unsanctioned match. Um, I, this is another one, Tom, and I, I feel like I say this a lot, but I can go either way on this. Um, you know, I don't think this is the end of the Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly story. Uh, I, in fact, I think it's just the start. Uh, that being said, I don't think Adam Cole has to win for it not to be the end either. Um, often if the story is going to continue, the heel gets the win. You know, I've seen that our entire wrestling fandom, uh, Roderick Strong, I think, for sure makes an appearance here. Whether whether he does the Dutch thing uh, and causes a no contest, you know, and just beats the tar out of both of them with a chair, uh, it could happen. 
It definitely could happen. I, I could see that. Uh, I, I think whatever he does, he won't show an allegiance to either of the guys because, frankly, neither of them have shown an allegiance to him. Um, so I, I think whatever he does, he probably will hit both of them with a move or a, a chair shot or a something. Uh, but I'm going to go Kyle O'Reilly here because I think a WrestleMania takeover win over Adam Cole in an unsanctioned match does more for Kyle O'Reilly than Cole winning the match, even if O'Reilly eventually wins the war. This is the one that's going to have the eyeballs. And I think I think Kyle is somebody they are trying to ascend into that upper echelon. Um, and I think they're doing a decent job of it. I think he needs a win here, though. Even if by Roddy doing something and then Kyle just rolls over and drapes his arm over Adam or something like that, um, I, I think Kyle gets the win. This match is going to be amazing. I am bummed that I won't get like this is the one match i think of everything on the first two nights that i'm really bummed that i can't watch like live I, i'm not worried about being able to stay spoiler free we will be we'll be arriving this the day of this show to our destination like for where we'll be for the week we don't have plans that evening so it would be easy to say hey let's plug in peacock but that's also not the reality of the life i live to be able to do that uh this is going to be amazing. I, I have no, no doubts. I, I've, I've liked these guys. I've loved these guys in the ring for so long. And this is just another chapter in that. And there was just a snippet of the uh, prime target on the TV show that I think there's a longer version on, on the Peacock Network. Uh, that's another funny, the Peacock Network. Uh, the, the, the Peacock version of the network, which is actually the network now, so I don't know why I'm qualifying it. Regardless of that, there's a longer prime target with these two, and I think that gives more to this. Not, I mean, the story's there. The story is is is, is very well known. The history is there, but having those prime target segments like gets you even that much more invested. Right. I also will pick Kyle O'Reilly, and there's a couple of other reasons beyond what you mentioned uh, for my choice here of picking Kyle. Having Kyle win an unsanctioned match gives Adam Cole the heel the ability to say, "Well, you can't beat me in a regular match." That's the down, that's that's part of the furthering the story. I also believe that Kyle O'Reilly will be eventually the NXT World Champion, perhaps in 2021, perhaps a little bit longer. Then Adam Cole chasing Kyle O'Reilly, or then. Uh, or, or continuing to cost him, however that plays out, that's another part of this story as well. So I think those two things are important parts of what, I mean, we might be on chapter three or chapter four of a eight chapter, 10 chapter book. And I'm good with that. These two guys are super high quality talents. I have no problem seeing them. And I, and I, they're, they're some of the better talents in the world, let alone NXT. So I am good with them having this spot. They're going to deliver. I just hope that both guys stay safe. Uh, I'm going to roll right into the final pick and the final match, which is the NXT title match, and start by saying my pick is carrying Cross to dethrone Finn Balor. I have appreciated Finn Balor as champion. I think he could remain champion without question, and it wouldn't be wrong. But because carrying Cross, when he won the title from Keith Lee last August, had the shoulder issue and the title reign got cut short immediately, this is the return to whatever that story was. Now they've gone they've, they've gone a really weird path to get here and not a weird path, it's just been a different path. But carrying Cross as NXT champion, we need to see what that looks like. 
this also goes back to why earlier in the show, earlier in both shows, I didn't pick any titles to change. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say there's a title change in that unification match because both guys are entering as champion. I don't have any other belts flipping because I think right. that the importance of here ending night two by saying the only championship or, or, or they'll weave that in. They'll say all of the champions ever retained. Will Finn Balor be able to do that here with Karrion Cross? And that somehow plays into the story. Uh, this is going to be also a great match as well. I don't think it meets the level of in-ring that Colin O'Reilly would do. I think they could be two, two separate matches. Uh, that being said, when the night ends, Karrion Cross walks out with the champion. And then the question becomes is what next for Finn Balor? Finn Balor has made it very clear he has loved being in NXT. It it rejuvenated him. It actually probably raised the value, at least in my opinion, uh, of his talent, of his worth, of his stock in the eyes of many, uh, maybe in the company and outside of the company. I don't think he would have nearly had the ability to perform at the level he has if he was on Raw or SmackDown. That being said, losing here and then showing up on one of the other two brands after Mania would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I uh, I'm with you, uh, and and yeah, I totally misread then what you were saying earlier about the whole Indy and Candice uh, title thing. I thought you were going to say Indy, you know, being involved in the Lewis Gargano situation, uh, but here uh, I agree with you, carrying Cross, um, because his title reign got cut short right away because of that shoulder injury uh, in the match with Keith Lee. I just don't, I think having him come after the title and then lose to Finn Balor hurts him a little bit more. Um, I think their plan obviously was crossed, was the champion because they were moving Keith Lee on uh, to the main roster. And I think whatever they wanted to do with Cross as champion, they now get that chance to do. Uh, hopefully they both come out of this match healthy, obviously. But I think this is going to be a hard hitting affair. I think it's going to be good. I agree. Um, I think Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly should be the main event of night two, but I get it. It's the title. The title should often be the main event. So I think this will be very, very good. And I think Karrion Cross uh, begins that reign that unfortunately got cut short, I don't know, almost a year ago now. Um, whenever that was, I'm trying to remember. That was like August. August. August of, yeah. Yeah. SummerSlam time. Um, so not quite a year ago then, uh, but uh, I think it's carrying Cross's time as well. So just to recap, we had 10 matches. We only have two that we differ on, uh, which is you have Io Shirai. I have Raquel Gonzalez in the main event of night one, and you have Johnny Gargano. I have Dexter Loomis in the North American title match. Uh, I guess, well, it doesn't matter either way. I was going to ask if anybody else was in that match besides Loomis, would it matter to my win-loss? But no, it wouldn't because I didn't pick Johnny Gargano. Um, so so, I'm, so if somebody else wins, I'm screwed anyways. Um, mainly because I think the only guy out of those six that would beat Gargano for the title would be Loomis. I don't think anybody else winning it, I agree with you, makes any sense. So, well, that is our wrap on NXT Stand and Deliver. Uh, we will be back uh, in about a week as far as those listening on the podcast side with our picks for WrestleMania 37 coming up at the Raymond James Stadium. Tom, anything else you want to uh, touch on before we sign off here? Uh, not really other than just to say, if you have the chance to watch uh, Stand and Deliver, 
I think they will meet their namesake. They will definitely be shows that stand and deliver. Uh, the talent is amazing. Uh, we talked about it here for the last 90 minutes or so. Uh, a lot of that was Ring of Honor time too. But uh, yeah, I'm pumped up for these. Uh, bummed, only only selfishly bummed that I will have to wait to watch them. Uh, and I hope I can stay spoiler free. So I'll look forward to circling back and recapping with you on these shows and talking about the fallout uh, in a few weeks from now. Sounds good. Well, everybody stay safe and we will talk to you again next week when we look at WrestleMania. Everybody have a good time and thanks for joining us here on Two Spot Monkeys Live.